Again, I want to wish all of our listeners a blessed new year. The other day, we were looking at the statistics for our downloads and listens on our podcast, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate our listeners sharing our podcast with your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers because the listens and downloads for the month of December were through the roof. They were higher than they were all year. Uh, we couldn't have done it without people telling others about our podcast. Today's episode is titled The Myth of the Non-Religious. Throughout our first season, we discussed the religious motivation and connotation of the various disruptors in Western society. In this episode, we want to develop that theme a little bit deeper and give a more comprehensive explanation or defense in our analyzation that all people are religious, even if they think of themselves as atheists or agnostic or anti-religion. The reality is there are religious connotations behind what they do, behind their behavior, behind their actions, behind their beliefs. And much of those religious connotations are connected to ancient pagan roots. Join us now for the discussion. Hello again, Master Fellas. Hello, it's good to be back. We go from one, one uh, stimulating conversation with people to the next. Uh, yep, that's, that's how we do it, right? <laughs> that's how we roll. You never know what we'll be talking about. We were, what were we just discussing? The <laughs> we were discussing how great the Republican Party is <laughs> and how triumphal. Hopefully, our listeners know that John is uh, is heavily in jest. He is not being serious. They they never lose those Republicans. <laughs> Today's episode is titled "The Myth of the Non-Religious." Uh, it's kind of in our, in our day and age, uh, John, uh, it's popular for people to say I'm spiritual, but I don't like religion or people will say, I don't like religion because it's man-made. I have heard those kind of comments since I was a teenager. Yeah. And what I love that last comment because it's man-made. So as opposed to what some some direct connection with the divine that just sparks in the soul of the spiritual person. What do you think's going on there? Yeah, they 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 tend to think that things that are man made is somehow fake, right? Uh, if it's if it's man made, it's invented and therefore bad. And that somehow the spiritual is not invented. It's not fake. It's not bad. It's more authentic. Yeah. I, I think, I think is sort of behind that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, as Christians, we don't think it's all about 
quote, practicing a religion, right? It is about true faith, true devotion to Jesus Christ. But we know that we have to be showing the object that we're supposed to worship, the person that we're supposed to worship. We don't think we can sort of have a personal spiritual epiphany, right? Or something along that those lines. Because really that could be anything, right? Right, Kenny? I mean, it could even be a demon. A lot of people don't think of that. So the myth of the non-religious or the myth of the non-religion, um, the reason this is, A, full disclosure, this was an entire chapter in my book on mere religion. So we're partially stealing from my own work. You, so I I, you have all those books up on uh, the website, right? I believe so. It's been a while since I looked, but I believe so. All right, great. Yeah, um, to the to our audience, Kenny is a prolific writer, and he's published several works, and they're worth picking up. So, so, so full disclosure, we've I've already written on this extensively, but we we wanted to to dwell on this as far as in dialogue for a moment because with the events of 2020, I think it's hard not to see that people's behavior around the world, people's behavior in your own backyard is very religious. <laughs> if, if, if people used to think that only religions had a market on being religious, I think we've tossed that myth out the window because there is a religious component to people wearing masks. There's a religious component to the zealotry surrounding this cult of science. There's a religious component around politics right now, whether Marxist or socialist, even, even, even in conservatism in, in, in many ways. We, we talked about the myth of con conservatism in our last episode. It seems like wherever we go, we see this religious zealotry in the way people think and behave and it's very in your face. Yeah, absolutely. How many, how many of you have heard the phrase, do you believe in science? Well, let's sort of parse that out. Belief we tend to equate with some sort of faith. So when somebody asks you, do you believe in science? It's almost a tacit admission that... We're not talking about the purely rational scientific method of empirical observation that some people learn in school. Most don't. But we're obviously not talking about that. We're way beyond that. And then on top of this, this belief in science comes with a sort of consensus, right? So that's the word, oh, you don't believe in the scientific consensus. So there's even sort of, I'll borrow a word from the, the Catholic Church because they have these high religious terms there's a sort of magisterial teaching of science certain things are unquestionable about evolution about global warming and now basically whatever the quote authorities say about COVID-19 you're not supposed to question in any way so now just like in an institution like the Catholic Church and I mean I'm just picking on them because they're the most re religious of the Christian denominations even in a, they have a sort of like the collective body of sciences, scientists, when they speak, it has the level, it has the power of dogma, 
right? It binds the individual believer. He has to believe. He can't question for a second and say, wait a second. Isn't the virus actually smaller than the holes in this mass? Hmm. Like he's not allowed to ask questions like that, right? Sure. And so, so that's sort of where we are. So it's really easy to see what Kenny was just explaining. It's, it's obviously the case just by the way people talk about it, but they use consensus, belief, um, and so on. And the people that don't believe in it are deniers, skeptics, right? We even have pejorative terms for these people, conspiracy theorists, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of like in Christianity, we'd call someone apostate or heretic or so on and so forth. And the last thing you want to be is a denier or skeptic. I mean, you could lose your job. You could lose your livelihood because you're some, because you reject one of the tenets of the scientific religion, the political religion, and so on and so forth. The the bedrock of Christianity is the worship of the one true God. And in fact, one of the most important commandments is to worship the Lord, your God only, right? And to have no other gods before him. And so the bedrock of, of Christianity is worshiping the true God, the creator of all idolatry is the worship of other gods in the, in what I'll call the old world in the old world. It was often easier to see when people were worshiping other gods, right? Because they'd perhaps make an, an image of that God and, and worship it like a little graven image like stone or silver or gold yeah and the gods had personality right that's why we say gods with a small g right because you knew something about those gods they had personality their stories usually they had like an origin story come kind of like what you would find in a comic book so right. there was this whole world of the gods it was really easy to say oh you're talking about this god or that god you're not talking about the one true god Yahweh, whose son is Jesus Christ. So if I'm pronouncing it correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, the God of pleasure in the old world was called Hedone, which we get the word hedonism from. Um, right. In Roman mythology, right. He, the, the God Hedone uh, is literally the Greek word that means pleasure. Um, and in our day and age, some people will word, use the word hedonistic to describe sexual abandon, right? So when people worshipped the god Hedone in the old world, it was clear they were worshipping a god. Well, now when people worship the god of pleasure, they don't know that they're doing it. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do and they don't. Because that even, even in me saying no, they don't know that they're worshiping the god of pleasure well do they or don't they because um they would think they're not being religious they would think they're not worshiping a false god but i've met so many people john who tell me that they just want to do what makes them happy that their whole driving force of their life is to satiate their flesh 
Well, uh, well that's th- that's very similar to the old pagans worshiping the god of pleasure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think picking a goddess like uh, Hodone um, is a, is a good point because then you can see how uh, it's another way of seeing how we're obviously still worshiping these gods because pleasure, which you know, pleasure, this sort of abstract noun, is deified, right? We also have people often worship their selves, right, themselves or the self. And the Greeks had a god named Psyche, right? Um, it, or love. Like there's a famous myth of Psyche, Psyche who falls in love with uh, the god Eros or the god Cupid, right? So the god of love. And so again, what do we say every day? Oh, I believe in myself or I believe in love. I think what we need now is love. Love will heal us. So we are really doing the same thing the Greeks did, and the Greeks and the Romans were really smart. They knew what they were doing. Like the, the smart Greeks and Romans, they knew they had taken these abstract concepts and turned them into stories about these gods, right? So not all the Greeks and Romans necessarily worship them. So they knew what they were doing. And so now we are doing it again. And the only difference is we just haven't made as many s- stories about these gods and we haven't built little shrines to them. Although uh, maybe we have, I'm sure we could come up with some examples of, of little shrines to the, these new gods. Um, so, but here, well, just one more quick thing, but, but since I think a lot of the problem too, is we come out of a Christian tradition. So for a long time, Christians didn't make statues to the gods and they didn't bow down and worship the gods. But as we move away from that Christian tradition, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to saying like, yeah, let's just worship love. Like, isn't that really what it is? What did John Lennon say? All you need is love. Well, that's a, that's an obviously religious statement, right? That's a real, Oh, that's all you need. Love. Well, that's the whole sum of your life. Now, the backdrop to ancient paganism was the concept of polytheism, the worship of many different gods. Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, the Jewish God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which was fulfilled through the birth of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. The Judeo-Christian God is monotheistic as opposed to polytheistic, Monotheistic meaning there's just one God. We don't worship many gods. Now, the polytheism of the pagan world meant the people worships many different types of gods. As civilization changed or developed, whatever word you want to use, throughout the ages, the gods changed along with civilization. So, so the gods that the people were worshiping remained, they never went away, but they, they, they were reformulated to fit different circumstances. And so now as we're in 2021, those ancient pagan gods are still here, John, they're still around. Yeah. We, we have different names for them Mm -hmm. in the the demons that encouraged all this worship are still here too. 
and so that's sort of what's behind a lot of this modern madness is actual demons and they're trying desperately to find different ways to get us to worship them again like we used to so the it, it can all it can it can be confusing if you're only getting your information from the news and the news is like the last place I would get any information from. I, I don't even watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't watch it anymore. But the news provides a very confusing worldview. And it doesn't, it doesn't sort of give any construct with which to see reality as God sees it. So if you're only looking at the United States, if you're only looking at the Western world, if you're only looking at the earth, whatever, whatever aspect of it you're looking at it, if you're looking at it through the, lane, the lens of social media or through the lens of the news, you're not going to have an accurate view of reality as God sees it. So we use the Bible because it gives us a accurate rending, rendering of reality as it is. There's so much I could I, I could give a lecture if I wanted um, hours and hours on the word is there's it's such a powerful word, but I'm going to I'm going to let it be in our dialogue here. But you, we use the Bible, we use Holy Scripture to give us an accurate rendering of the world as it is. And as we do so, what we see in 2021 is a world of many different peoples. They're many different color. They have many different beliefs. And they're worshiping many different gods. Polytheism. That's polytheism. It's, it's the same world as 2,000 years ago when the Christ child broke onto the scene. Yeah, and that's if you read Isaiah, and I think you know John, someone like John Calvin's really good on this as well. Because we rebelled against God, we have a natural tendency away from God. Our nat, like there's something in us that's just automatically rebels against God, and so because we still have a desire, you know, nonetheless for God these two things sort of come together in us and give us an inclination for worshiping anything besides God. And that's one of the incredible things about God becoming man is that he makes it very easy for us to worship him truly because our minds, our bodies, our souls are so mixed up that we just want to worship everything. That's, I mean, let's go back, look at the, the Exodus story. There's all these cr incredible miracles God works. And then Moses, he goes up on the mountain and he's gone for, I'm not sure how long, a couple of weeks maybe. And all the people freak out and they need to worship something. And they said, well, this Moses, we don't know what happened to this Moses. And they start worshiping a golden calf. And so a lot of people, they read that story and the people seem ridiculous. But it's literally, we're not doing something different. We've just sort of become very low in our religion, right? So, I mean, you go into people's homes all the time and you'll see they have 
a million statues of, of I don't know, uh, superheroes, musicians, just you name it from pop culture. So we've sort of kept the practice where it's like, yeah, I have to put these things in my house and I have to admire them. We just stripped a lot of the, the higher religious things. So yeah, there's not like a shrine to Mario or something like that, that we all have to go on pilgrimage every year and sacrifice goats to But that, that same impulse is still there to worship this, this thing that's actually kind of silly and trivial and was meant to just amuse people. We, uh, we can't take it that way anymore. We have to go beyond just mere amusement. And that's so, so, so we're, we're looking at the myth of the non-religious and what we're saying is there's no such thing as the non-religious. Everybody has a religion. Everybody is worshiping something. The question is, are you going to worship the real God? Or are you going to worship the false God? In our day and age, people just like 2000 years ago, they may worship pleasure. They may worship money. They may worship the God of, of the environment or, in the old world, John, that would be what uh, that could, which, which, oh, like uh, uh, maybe Gaia, the Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be uh, the god of the underworld, the god of death. I mean, there's so many different gods that people are worshiping. There are so many elements of religion at work in the people's lives. Now, you mentioned Isaiah, so let's let's sort of, I'll just pick up on that. So one of the things Isaiah in, in chapter 46, he points out that these idols, these false gods, they do not save you. Specifically, Isaiah says, you'll cry unto him, yet he cannot answer, nor save you out of your trouble. The gods can't save people. And it's interesting reading that passage from Isaiah and yet right now in 2021, how many people are looking to this mythical vaccine to save them from the fake pandemic? <laughs> I mean, it's literally the, wor the words of the prophet Isaiah. Look, your gods aren't going to save you. If God, if the one true God wants you to live, it has nothing to do with a virus or a vaccine. God in his sovereign will is in control of your life. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's, it's one thing, you know, if somebody's sick, you take them to a doctor. Uh, like, you know, that's very understandable. Okay, that's what they're there for. They try to heal the sick. But now we want to find all these magic cures that make sure, oh, make sure no one can get sick, right? Make sure we can prevent disease. And people spend their time worrying about acquiring some sort of disease. And that seems to be taking it to a new level. And we all now we're all wearing special garbs about our face. That's well, we all, of, not, 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 not all of us are wearing them. But not all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The special we're the special garb upon our, upon our face. And for a lot of people, you can tell just by talking to them, they really think that's what's keeping them safe. So they think they have some sort of special protection because of that. And it also becomes a form of altruism or something. Well, I'm wearing this for you, right? <laughs> so it becomes a way of gaining virtue by wearing a special piece of clothing. <laughs> I, 
sticking with Isaiah, let's look at another element of, of these false gods, these idols. Idols do not bring any profit for mankind. What do I mean by that? Let's read, read Isaiah 44. The things that these people delight in do not profit. They don't actually bring any spiritual sustenance, any eternal sustenance to the soul. Isaiah is very clear. They don't profit you. You may think that worshiping these false gods of pleasure, of science, of medicine, whatever false god you're worshiping, it will not profit you in the end. It will bring you to destruction. Yeah. Well, how many people really, by when they go around and they believe in science, or they believe in education, or they believe in love, it's like, well, where do these things actually lead? It's interesting. You would think after the last world war, people would have thrown off this sort of mindset of like technological progress at any cost because our technological progress had caused such incredible devastation. Um, The God of love we talked about. Well, if you ever, maybe we've watched too many bad love stories, you know, that have happy endings but usually love is a very tragic thing, right? I'm thinking of Romeo and Juliet here, which is considered the best love story ever written. It's like, well, it doesn't have a happy ending. So these things, they really, they ultimately don't profit your soul. Like, what is there about, you know, um, who, who's the scientist? The Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson, is that his name? Yeah, yeah that's always on the, the television when he tells you this really crazy story about everything coming from nothing in some big explosion, and then, you know, everything's hurling across the galaxy and the planets form. And, you know, we're little amoebas that like rise up out of the slime and evolve. And, you know, everything's going to end in some heat death and everything's just going to go black. Where in there is spiritual life or comfort but what is it that people get out of that story? I mean, it's maybe if you like tragedy, again, it's like the love story. It's like Romeo and Juliet. If you're really, you know, if you have a sort of like demure personality and you like dark things, well, I, okay, I could see you liking them. But most people aren't like that. So what is it about the story that ultimately ends with everybody dying? And becoming stardust for all eternity. What is it about the story that's so appealing, Kenny? The story gives a narrative because with religions, you have to have an origin story. Uh, in my book, Mere Religion, that's sort of what I tried to begin the book with in saying that all religions have an origin story. Even if the origin story doesn't make a lot of sense, it has, it has an origin story, whether it's Dionysus or whether it's the religion of humanism and its origin of, of evolution. They all have an origin story. And so it's enticing because it's a, it's a, a opportunity to believe in, in a different way that we came to exist other than the way the Bible teaches us. So you're saying there's just 
without the story, there would just be a vacuum and people can't abide that like a complete vacuum in their soul or something. It would, it would be, it would be like, you'd be an amnesiac. Like, so, so someone who has amnesia, they do all that they can to find out where they came from because without knowing their origin, they don't know who they are. Right. And, and that's sort of the phenomenon of amnesia. And that's what we learn through pa- patients who have, have brain injuries. It's similar to uh, children who were given away an adoption. Not all, but countless children who were given up for adoptions seek out their what's called biological birth parents with this hope that in somehow discovering who they came from biologically, it will contribute to their own identity as a person. And so origin story is utterly central to the beginning of a religion. That's why evolution is such a big deal. That's why we've spent so much time on our podcast talking about evolution. Yeah. And so... Right, and then the ultimate hope becomes something like, well, sure, maybe everything will end in utter darkness. But in the meantime, we're going to evolve and have this glorious future to look forward to. So, you know, people like you and Kenny, you're just um, you're just a bunch of uh, debunkers and deniers, and you just don't want to be part of our glorious future. Our, our <laughs> sign, you know, we're going to get robot arms and stuff like Luke Skywalker. And we're going to fly to work. And then we're going to come back and live in a bubble. It's going to be great. So what's, what's wrong with that, Kenny? Like, I mean, we're <laughs> going to get robot arms. We're going to upload our consciousness to the cloud. So we could still live for like billions of years, theoretically. I mean, doesn't that sound great? Uh, not really. Yeah, it, sounds, it does sound kind of sad, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It, it sounds like a nightmare. Um, in Revelations, you know, I don't use Revelations publicly much because it's such a, a mystical book in many ways. And it tends to create a lot of arguments on what it means. Um, but I want to read one passage from Revelations 9, chapter 20. Uh, regardless of when this is supposed to have taken place or will take place. I'm not getting in the, into the eschatological ramifications of this, but I'm looking at more at the theological ramifications of this uh, as it applies to our discussion in revelations nine, chapter 20, the writer says the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, they still did not repent of the work of their hands They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So, you know, all these plagues come to mankind. I'm not saying if this already happened. I'm not saying if this hasn't happened. I'm not saying when this happens. I'm just looking at the theological element in here. And the theological element is plagues come upon humanity. And does it cause the people 
to stop worshiping their false god? Nope. Nope. They keep on worshiping all the things they were worshiping before the plagues came, John. And so it's kind of interesting because there's this pandemic that people believe is a pandemic going on and people are afraid of dying. Yet, is it causing people to go to Sunday worship more? Actually, no, it's the exact opposite. People are going to Sunday worship less. Uh, this, this mystical, mythical plague that people think is occurring, is it causing them to, to, to do less evil in the event that they might die and stand before their creator? No. No, evil marches on. The people continue to worship money. They continue to have a lust for the things of this world. Uh, that's the reality of the, the, the non-religious. It really isn't not religious at all. The people are all worshiping false gods, regardless of whether they're aware of what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And unfortunately, yeah. that, that uh, hits the time that we are out of time. You can reach us at uh, the email address is otpsp at protonmail.com. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. Thank you. Amen.